Man, how many got your Bible with you tonight? Got your Bible? Amen. I think I'm on. Would you uh, open it tonight to the uh, book of Job? The book of Job. And uh, I want to share with you a thought. Just trying to get some encouragement. And uh, when we think about the life of Job, uh, it seems like that all of the sufferings that everyone else went through in the Word of God, it really seems like it pales in comparison, really. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But in Job chapter 2, we'll begin there, and, and then we'll go over and end the message over in chapter 42 tonight. But if you'll look with me and read along with me as I read in chapter 2 of Job, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Now remember, he's already touched his children, his livestock, his wealth in chapter 1. We've now realized that Satan is asking and saying that, Lord, if you allow me to touch his body, he'll curse you. Look at verse 5. But put thou... Forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand to save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou steal Retain thine integrity, curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Everything that he dealt with. A sudden tragedy. I mean the tragedies of tragedies. We know in chapter 1 that he lost all of his children. He lost all of his wealth, all of his livestock. He lost everything. But yet he still retained his integrity to the Lord. He kept his faith. But in then chapter 2, the Bible says Satan came back for more and God allowed him to touch his body. And we know now that he's, he's sick. He's got bulls from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And so we know that this is a very familiar passage, and we all should know, most of us, I'm sure everyone here tonight, this is a Wednesday night crowd, most of you, or all of you know the suffering of Job. 
This was a man that God said that loved God. I didn't make that statement. The Lord did. He said he loved God. He with evil. I mean, he was doing it right. And in just a few moments, he lost everything he had. Now, we've been looking at the life of Joseph on Sunday morning and even on Sunday night of this past Sunday. We're seeing a trend here. Some things don't make sense. That old question is, why does bad things happen to good people? That's a good question, isn't it? But God has a plan. God has a purpose, whether we understand it or not. And we realize this, this seems unbearable. Now, let's make this come to life. Let's say you don't have ten children. You don't have ten children. I don't think there's anyone here that has ten children. But you have a child. You have two children. You have three children. You have four children. Loss of one of them is unbearable. And then on top of that, you lose everything you own. Then on top of that, you lose all of what you could have had because of your cattle and your livestock. Now it's all gone. And then not only that, to heap more on, now let's say you get sick and you're miserable and you're so sick that you're sitting in an ash heap taking a piece of broken pottery trying to just get some kind of relief on your body from these sore boils. Doesn't seem fair, does it? But here's what the Bible said. Job did not lose his faith in the midst of all of it. I ain't Job. You're not Job. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I hope none of us have to experience what Job experienced. But I'm going to tell you, like Job, you're going to experience some great suffering in your life as well. You're going to face some things that simply does not make sense. But in the midst of all of these sufferings and the pain, he held fast to the Lord. Now, I'm going to be very practical in this message because we're human. He's human. I'm going to show you some things a lot of people don't want to talk about Job. Because we have this mentality that Job just got there overnight. Now, he didn't get there overnight. But he is an example. And the Bible does tell us about the word of God, that God has given us his word for an example so we can look to a pattern. We can look as an example so we might learn through patience and hope of the scripture. But we see that Job, no doubt, is a great example of dealing with trials and sufferings. Then, not only that, Looking at this story should give us hope no matter how dark the storm is in your life, no matter how you're struggling, no matter what you're dealing with, there is always hope. Now, sometimes we don't feel like there's hope, but there's always hope. Not only is there hope because we know this story ends up happy, but it's also hope that the way Job responded gives us hope even though if we're struggling, even if we're human, we know that if Job, God helped Job to respond the way he did, that it gives us hope to respond well too. God is no respecter of person. Then, not only that, just going to be honest with you, 
reading this and knowing the trial and the suffering of Job, one thing that's very clear that would be, be, that would be very easy to become if we were Job. Bitter. Very bitter. There have been many through the quarters of time that have abandoned their faith for much less than what Job suffered. I want you to think about that. Now, I'm going to say this. We might not ever have an experience like this where we lose all of our children, all of our wealth, and all of those things. I'm going to tell you something. When you're in the middle of something and you get hit in the gut, and you take something that's devastating, it don't have to be ten children, it don't have to be all the wealth, it still hurts. Pain's pain. Pain's personal. A storm is a storm. It's a personal storm. And it's amazing, you know. Your problem's not that big to me. But if I had that same problem, all of a sudden, it's awful big. But there's been many that I've known. And by the way, we're all capable, including me. We're capable of giving up our faith, getting back out in the world, abandoning our faith for less than what Job dealt with. All through the quarters of time. I'm going to tell you all something right now. I could go down through the ages of my life, the history of my life, and I'm telling you right now, I know people that were much better than me that abandoned their faith because of some storm, some suffering, something they couldn't understand. So it gives us hope. Job endured. And by the way, he endured. Notice uh, our trials that we encounter will have an effect on us. There's no doubt. It had an effect on him. It had an effect on his family. It had an effect on his friends. When we go through trials, when we go through hurts, listen to me now, it affects people. It affects us personally. It affects our family. By the way, if you're part of a church, it can affect the church. It can affect the work of God. So let me ask you a question this evening. How about instead of becoming bitter over our storms, over our troubles, over our sorrows, do you think there's a possibility that we can become better? I know it's easier to become bitter, but I'm asking tonight and the message is, or should we be better because of it? Do you think that God allowed this in Job's life to be better? No, I know that question. The answer to that question is no. God did not allow this to make him bitter. God allowed it in him to be better. But the truth is, God has allowed a lot of things in our lives. But he, he means for it to be better. But many times we choose to become bitter. It's how we respond to it. It's not God's goal. It's not God's design for us to become bitter. Our trials that we encounter will have an effect on us. But we must understand the way we respond to our trials and our troubles and our struggles. How do we respond? Bitter or better? Now look, this is a message that all of us need. Because I'm going to tell you all something right now. 
all of us have the tendency to get bitter. It's a struggle. It's real. All of us are capable of it. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much you read your Bible every day. I'm going to tell you something right now. In our weakest moments, we can become bitter over something that we think's not fair. We can become bitter over something that we don't think's right. We can become bitter over a storm, a trouble, a tragedy. And we've got to ask God to help us to become better. Now, first of all, I want you to notice something about Job. Number one, his character. Look at verse three. I didn't say this. God said this. In chapter two, he said, look, here is a man. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Well, we know he's considered him because he's already considered him. He's already touched his wealth. He's already touched his children. So God's not asking him because God says, I don't think you've considered him. God's saying to him because he gives him the person he needs to consider because God had confidence in Job. Now, I don't understand this. This, now y'all stay with me a second. But this is, it doesn't feel like it, but look at that, look at me. And I don't even like this, but this is true. This is kind of a compliment. That God allowed Job to go through this trial. It certainly doesn't feel like one. But notice what God said. He picked the man. Not Satan. Satan did just randomly one day say, oh, I'm going to pick this guy. No, God said, no, I want to tell you, I want to handpick who I'm going to let you break his heart. I'm going to handpick him. Doesn't seem like a compliment, does it? But it is. God said, if you considered my servant Job. Notice, that's what God thought about him. That's his character. God said, here's a man. The Bible said there's none like him on the earth. A perfect and an upright man. In other words, he was mature and he was an upright man. He eschewed evil. He feared God. He loved. He held his integrity. I mean, Job was a good godly man that God hand-picked and you would never think it was a compliment but God complimented him because he knew that he could handle what was getting ready to take place. I want to ask you, what can you handle? I've thought about that. I've heard college professors at a Bible school said, I've even heard preachers saying, I would like to be able to sit down and talk to some preachers, young preachers in Bible college. They have no idea what they've signed up for. They have no idea. See, where they're really going to become men of God, when they're really going to get a hold of Jesus, when they're really going to be able to preach with power, they're the ones that's going to have to get broke first. They're going to have to go through some hard times. They're going to have to be just like Job. God's going to have to be able to know that He can trust that man or that woman that they have the kind of character that can take the onslaught that Satan gives. 
Now I want to just say this, because of his character, we know in verse 3 God says, and here's the question asked most of the time, if not all the time, when trouble or struggle or some heartache comes into somebody's life. Now y'all stay with me because y'all know that's true. Here's what I hear more. Well, what did they do? Look at me. He didn't do nothing. This wasn't because of his sin. This wasn't because of his sin. Notice, it was not because he had sinned. God said, no, have you considered my servant Job? He picked him out because he knew the character of Job. And by the way, he knows our character. Obviously, God does use trials and sorrow and heartache to chasten His children. We know that. If you sin, look at me. You're going to get chastened. There's going to be repercussions of that. There's going to be death because of that. Because that's what God says. But not every storm, not every suffering, not every trial comes because somebody has sinned. It's because we find right here that the character of Job was impeccable. It was a compliment. But no matter why, no matter why the storm, no matter why the tragedy, no matter why the trouble, Here's what's important. God help us. It's how we respond to it. It's how we respond. See, God has confidence in Job's response. He already knows the way he's going to respond. Now quickly, how about us? Does God know us? Absolutely. So you think about that next time, and I'm going to be honest, I don't even like saying this right now, but you think about that next time that God chooses you to go through the fire. Do we maintain our integrity in the midst of the trial? Do, are we respected during our retirement? Are we, are we still trying to fight, hold on to our faith and our trials are we still trust the Lord are we not abandoning our faith during our trials are we not sin with our mouth against God I hate to tell you I failed in a thousand places in my storms man I'm glad to see this about his character because we know his character it wasn't because somebody sinned number two not only his character I want you to notice his trial I mean after chapter 2, I mean, he look here. He didn't have nothing. He was, I mean, he lost everything. Plus, he was in an ash heap. Sick, sore, miserable. He lost it all. What a trial. Now, here's what's amazing. What was the source of the trial? Now, make sure you get this. The source. Where did this trial originate from? What, what, what was the source? I want to make this statement. Number one, God is never the problem in your trial. Get it. God is never the problem in your trial. He's never the problem. 
Every child of God is a target for Satan. He desires, the Bible said, to sift you as wheat. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We already know that's what he wants to do. He wants to defeat us. He wants to discourage us. And by the way, he will go to every means possible that God has allowed him to do to do it to us. Satan desires to defeat us. Satan des desires to discourage all of us. We find right here in chapter 1 and chapter 2 the source of the problem. The source of the trouble is Satan. By the way, if the source of the trouble was Satan and Job, the source of the trouble can still be Satan today. He's always seeking whom he may devour. He's never asleep. He never slumbers. But Bob will tell you something right now. When you choose to do right and be right and do what's right for the Lord, I'm going to tell you something right now. You've just got a crosshair on you. So we see the source of trial. It's very simple. Satan. But then this, this is a simple one. But what about the severity of the trial? I'm going to tell you all right now, it was extreme. Y'all know anybody, and I know, we know some dear precious people here, that all their children are in heaven. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be going, Lord willing, and preaching for Brother Benny there the second week in October. And now two of his children out of three are in heaven. But for all ten children to be gone... Pretty extreme. Lost all of his ten children. He lost all of his wealth. Now he's lost his health. But no matter the trial, we have great comfort and great hope. Or we can take great comfort and great hope that the Lord got him through this and he'll get you through it. I know in the middle of the darkest of the nights it doesn't seem like that it would, but it gives us hope. We must hold on. You know, and by the way, there's... There's days it's easier than others. But honestly, when you're going through struggles and trials and there's just things hitting you, it's, it, it's like we say, a, it's like we have this little spiritual cliche, well, just trust the Lord. But what's that look like? Well, that might mean for you today, you're just trusting the Lord to be able to get up out of bed and just to put one foot in front of the other. Your trial might be that bad that you're just trusting God to be able to get through the day. But you got to trust the Lord. And that little quote out there, I don't know who that preacher is, but he's an awful, he needs to, they need to quit putting them quotes up there. And Miss Sarah and them, I'm going to be honest, she's not able to change your sign and I'm thinking, man, how long is that quote going to be up there? And I guess it's as long as God wants us to have it. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm just going to tell y'all as your pastor, I ain't felt like trusting God. And them nosy preachers, trust God even when you don't feel like it. I'm going to tell you something right now. It still works. Truth Trumps feelings every day. And we're to always trust the Lord whether we feel like it or not.
we got to hold on. Someone left me a real encouraging note. It was very convicting because I love how people, when they leave me notes, they use my own preaching against me. Would y'all quit doing that? No, that's a joke. I loved it. I, I, I tell you what, I had to step outside because I got teared up. But someone said, we, have, we just know that just like our pastor says, sometimes you just got to hunker down and hold on. And I just want all of you to know this. I'm hunkering down and I'm holding on with everything I got. So I can't do nothing else right now. His trial was severe. The trial, the source of the trial was from Satan. But now I want you to notice, not only we see his character, his trial, but I want you to notice his choice. Now this is, I want to hurry here, but this is where I really hope that this will come to life. Here's what's his choice. He had a choice. He didn't have a choice about his trial. He didn't have a choice of how severe it was. He didn't have a choice how many children he lost. He didn't have a choice how much money he lost. He didn't have a choice whether his health was bad or not. He had a choice on whether to become bitter or better. He chose better. You know how I know that? God blessed him in chapter 42. You want to turn there with me? Would you turn to chapter 42? And let's look at just a few things here about his choice. See, God blessed him in chapter 42. First of all, the Bible says he did not charge God foolishly. He continued to trust and faith the Lord even when he didn't feel like it. Even when he had three people badgering him every day. He still did what was right. Did not charge God foolishly. He continues to trust Him. Now, could you imagine? Let's just, let's just get down to where Job is. Because sometimes we make these people in the Bible like they're superhuman. No, they hurt just like us. They felt just like us. Now, I want y'all... Y'all go to that first night after he got all this news and he couldn't see his children anymore and he lost all of his wealth and now he's so, he's hurting so bad he can't even hardly lay down. Now y'all tell me, y'all think that would help us with some of our gripes that we gripe about? I think so. Can you imagine the dark of that night? The first night, the second night, the third night, the fourth night, the fifth night, the sixth night. What he had to wake up to every morning. I mean, I was tell you something. Church, it was dark. He was struggling. He was human. But let me tell you what God did because he chose to be better. God received him. Look at verse 8 in chapter 42. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams... Go to my servant Job. Now he's talking to the three friends that's been preaching to him all of this time. And offer up yourselves a burnt offering. Notice this. I love this. My servant Job shall pray for you. He prayed for his three friends. Yeah, the three. 
that's just been ridiculing, the three that's been telling you that you've been sinning and you got a problem in your life, that's why you're in this ash heap. See, he prayed for his three friends. By the way, you know why? He chose to be better instead of bitter. So God used him. I'm a, y'all ready? And I need this right now. Y'all know who people have confidence in? Not whiners. Not complainers. You know who God has confidence in? Who people have confidence in? I don't think these boys minded at all. Job praying for them. Because I'm going to tell you right now. He had responded through the darkest of his nights. And they realized something different about this man. I'm going to tell you why they had confidence in him. It wasn't because of him. They had confidence in who Job had. And that was the Lord. I'm going to tell you all right now. God received him. You know why? I'm going to tell you who I want praying for me. I want people like Job praying for me. Because you know why I want people praying for me like Job? Because they'll know how to pray. They're not just praying, oh Lord, please just get all this hurt and all this awful stuff off of somebody. No, they're saying, oh Lord, work in their life like you worked in mine. I can promise you right now, Job was praying for his friends to get a hold of just a little bit of what he had. Why? God said, and my servant Job will pray for you. Why? Because of the way he responded. He responded to be better, not bitter. So God received him. And then I want you to notice this. This is beautiful. God restored him. Look at verse chapter 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God restored him. Far better, far more. Why? Stay faithful. Lord, this ain't fair. And look, we're all human. We all get there. But look, stay faithful. Why? Because God restored him. God will restore you. And then I want to just close with this. God reminded him. Now this is powerful stuff. Look at verse 14. And he called the name. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima. I love that. Makes me think of pancakes. Amen. And he called the names of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah and the name of the third Karen Hypoch. Now, I'm not a big word study guy, but I thought it's probably pretty important to find out what these names mean. You know what Jemima means? I am right. Wasn't it Jemima that she made the pancake batter, right? And it was Miss Buttersworth that's the, the actual syrup, right? That's what I thought. Because some of you are looking at me all fancy. Did I say something wrong there? You know what Jemima means? Here it is, y'all ready? Day. And the sun's coming up. 
in the morning. You know why I believe God wanted him to name that baby Jemima? Because boy, Job had been through a lot of nights. But praise God, the sun's getting ready to shine again. And by the way, the sun's going to shine. Now, I want to just serve notice on something. Um, I, I, I want to say this because, you know, sometimes we're just supposed to just click our fingers and all of a sudden, you know, we're just supposed to be the most, you know, we go through these great trials and all of a sudden, like, you know, we're not spiritual. If we just don't click our fingers and all of a sudden, bam, there we are. Now, I, I want to serve notice. Now, listen to me. This took a lot of time for Job to get there. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because children had to be born. We're talking years of healing over the trials. But the whole time he was going through the trials, he was still holding on. Sometimes it didn't look like he was holding on. Sometimes he was doing better than others. But we know that God said that he never forsook him. And we know that he never charged God foolishly. But there were times in Job's life that he was stronger than other days. You know why? He's human. Ten children takes a while to be raised to have. I mean, at least nine months in between. It took years. But praise God, he named his first daughter Jemima. Why? He'd spent a lot of nights. But praise God, the daytime was coming. Y'all with me? And I want to help everybody here just a second. Y'all might be going through some nights, and it might take a long time. But you hold on. I promise you, and the sun's coming up. In the morning, it's coming. Look at me. You'll get there. Look at the second one, Kazia. You know what her name was? That meant fragrance or a perfume. See, here's what happened at the end of all this. God provided a sweet-smelling Savior. Sorrow had been replaced with the grace of God. Life got sweet again. Memories got sweet again. I just wish I could smell again. Amen. And then the last one. Karen Haypot. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Karen, Miss Karen, this Karen and the Karen we have in the here's what this verse means. This is what this name means. And, and Wayne's not here tonight, but he would say, Amen. It's beauty. Miss Karen's back there shaking her head. If Wayne was here, he'd go, Amen, preacher. First time I'd hear him say Amen in my whole time here in 13 years. He's down in his back. Y'all need to pray for Brother Wayne. But Karen, here it is. Radiant beauty. Radiant. Beautiful. See, here's what it means. Now he's starting to enjoy the radiance of the beauty of the glory of God. He's sitting back now with his ten children. All of his wealth is restored. And by the way, he's got more wealth. 
He had 7,000 sheep for this thing started. He ended up 14,000. He started with 3,000 camels. He ended up with 6,000 camels. He had 1,000 oxen. Now he's got 2,000 oxen. He had 500 donkeys. Now he's got 1,000 donkeys. I'm going to tell you right now, the stock market was good to him. You know what he was doing? He was enjoying the glory of God. You know why? Because he chose to be better, not bitter. How about you? How about me? And by the way, one could hit you tonight before you go to bed. One could hit you tomorrow before you go to bed. God help us to respond to be better, not bitter. Can I ask y'all a question? How many of y'all really, really, truly desire to not be bitter in life? All of us have to watch it. Because things happen in life. It hurts. We live in a sin-cursed world. And there's things that happen. I, I think of the Gilly family sitting over there in the hospital. I'm sure they're watching tonight. I thought about them. They've, and, I, and I know. I'm not saying, look, I'm talking to y'all. I love y'all. And y'all's faith has been a great example to all. But look here now. I, I'm just I'm saying a word of warning. They've not to this point. Their, their faith has stayed strong. Their spirits are beautiful. I've been around them many occasions. They're encouraging me, even in the darkest of their days, for little stone. But I want you to know th that's a beautiful thing. And so I want to encourage y'all keep letting God make you better, not bitter. They had no idea they would wake up that morning and their little boy would be changed. And we don't know what will face us tomorrow. So this is one you might not need right now, but if you go through it, you can at least say, Oh God, help me. As Job responded, I might not be there yet. I might still be in the darkness. I might still be struggling, but help me not to fool, foolishly charge you and help me to not abandon my faith and help me to choose to be better no matter what I go through. God will use you. God will restore it. God will help you. Let's stand to our feet tonight. This might be something you say, Pastor, I don't know why you preach this message tonight. I'm not going through anything. Well, you better stow it away. The life of Job is one for us as an example. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, can I ask you, you say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart about something tonight. You're not ashamed about it. Would you raise your hand? That's a blessing. Ask God to help you. Let's pray together. You pray right where you are. Let's ask God to help us to respond to our troubles, our trials, our sorrows. Help us, God, to be better, not bitter. Lord, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your grace. Lord, we want to thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we don't understand everything, but Lord, we do know you. We know you do all things well. We know that you're almighty God. You spoke the world into existence. And Lord, we trust you with our lives. And so Lord, I thank you for the life of Job. And Lord, even as I was preaching tonight, as I was studying this, it was a compliment for you to pick him. But Lord, I'm sure in the middle of all of those nights, it didn't seem like a compliment to Job. But Lord, it's convicting to us. 
You know our character. You know our beings. You know our weaknesses. And so, Lord, I pray you'll help us to become better instead of bitter. Lord, we know through the quarters of time there's been so many people that have abandoned their faith for much less than this. So, Lord, the story of Job and how you worked in his life has all given us hope tonight. I pray you'll encourage us. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great night. Enjoy your evening. Oh, we need some guys. Some big, hefty, strong guys. We need help tonight over in the gym to set up for the ladies' banquet. So could Miss... Or is you going to go over there, Miss Kyla? If several of you men could go and help Miss Kyla get...